living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Your destination is Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible or you want to find it on your device that you're using to have the biblical text in front of you, we'd encourage you to do that. We've entitled this series that we've been looking at here leading up to uh, the celebration of Christ's birth, The Heart of Christmas. And we've already looked at three of the four major concepts, terms, words we want to look at. This evening during our Christmas Eve service, we're going to kind of bring all those four together, hopefully, and bring those themes together. But the first one we talked about, it's the gift of love, the fact that we are loved by God. We, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son so that we could be saved through faith in him. Then we talked about hope. We talked about the, the hope of Christmas and that hope that drives us is the reality that, in fact, that, uh, that there is something beyond, something we can have certainty in that which is not. And then the next word is peace. And if we'll bring peace up there on the screen after we do hope and then peace, thank you. Uh, the fact that we can have peace with God through what Christ has accomplished for us and the fact is that we can have peace in our hearts. And if there's any ever hope, peace for this world, in fact, it comes from Lord Jesus Christ, the one that we saw from Isaiah chapter 9, the one who is the Prince of Peace. And maybe if you look down there at that uh, little manger in front of you, you've already figured it out. But today we want to talk about joy. Joy. That, uh, that the joy that He can produce in us is what we want to talk about today. Now, before we get to that, I also want to mention... All four of these kind of work together. And, if you can, and, and I don't know exactly how the arrangements, this is not a formula, this is not a mathematical equation. But I just want to point out that it all works together in a package, okay? If we understand and receive the love of God, that brings us hope for the future, certainty about what we do not see. That brings peace to our hearts. That peace in our hearts is, is, has an outlet in joy. As we have the joy of the Lord, it takes us back to love God and to experience His love and I don't know it's a circle, but that's the only lines I could get on that slide in front of you. And it took me a while to actually get those, uh, those, those lines on that slide. But it all works together in a package, and that's what we want to look at today. So we want to think about, about joy today, and uh, we need to think about it. Now, as you also as you look at those terms, there's something about those concepts that serve to help us understand where we are. Where are we? Where, how, how are we doing? What, a little diagnostic, if you want to say it that way, to kind of figure out what is, what, what's the condition of our heart. And we can look at it in terms of our joy or peace or love and everything. And uh, by the way, did you know that, that you can kind of determine what's, particularly for men, what stage of life you're in as you would uh, think about Santa Claus? Did you know this? I'm gonna, this is a good bit of advice for you, okay? There's, there's four stages of every man's life, okay? Stage one is where you, he believes in Santa Claus, Stage two is when he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three is when he is Santa Claus. 
And stage four is when he looks like Santa Claus, okay? So look in the mirror and you can figure out what stage of life you're in, okay? Well, more importantly, let's take a look at our relation to our Savior and our heart, the heart of Christmas, our heart involved in Christmas. And let's see if we can just unpack together. Maybe where we are, maybe where God wants to move us and change our thinking, our perspective, that sort of thing. And I just want you to look, if you will, in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The story of the shepherds. You know it very well. You can probably quote it along with me if I, if I ask you to, but you know this very well. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And this is just my commentary inserted in the text. I would think so. <laughs> I'm just sitting here hearing the, hearing the sheep snore, and suddenly, bam, oh, there's this, 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 the glory of God and the angel. But listen to what he says. And this is his message to them. It's his message to you delivered by God. Okay, here it is. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Here's the phrase. Of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I've enjoyed just trying to kind of boil this down, kind of condense this down and the concepts down into some, just, just some really, you know, kind of handholds to help us. And these a few verses help us to do that. First of all, to, to have joy, we must have an encounter with Jesus. Because this kind of joy, the real joy, biblical joy, God-produced joy has to come through this focal point, this touch point, this touchstone of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, you understand that. Now, maybe we should try our best to, uh, to try to define what joy is. And uh, if, sometimes things, we all know what they mean, and we all use the words all the time, but defining it is a little bit difficult. So I went and got, I have a, it's a gift from a friend a few years ago. I have, I have an unabridged Oxford dictionary in my office. I don't even know if they still print them, but if it's about this thick and about this tall and weighs probably about 15, 18 pounds. I don't know, feels like it. And it's just this big thing. Now this one, this is a sort of an antique. It was uh, produced back in the, uh, the late sixties, early seventies, but I looked up joy and here's the definition in this huge, I mean, if it's that big a dictionary, it's got to have a good definition, right? A very glad feeling happiness, great pleasure, or delight. So it's attached to emotion. It's attached to feeling. It's attached to that, that sense that we have, that pleasure, that delight, that, that, that which is going to come out and be expressed, whether in our demeanor, our facial expression, our body language, in our words, in our singing, in our action, in our worship, all those ways it comes out. So it is that. Interestingly enough, I, I, I probably should go down to the library and find a more recent unabridged Oxford Dictionary because interestingly enough as it sort of sometimes it defines things it will give you a quote and it gives a quote from the Bible in this a quote from Habakkuk 318 where it says I will joy in the God of my salvation I wonder if the Bible quote still fixes, fits into that definition in the modern dictionary I tend to doubt it but anyway it was in that one I found that interesting so it's this delight, this satisfaction, this expression of, of happiness, this expression of every, everything as well. It's a very positive sort of thing. And we, we, we long for joy. We want joy. And also, that's why it, maybe it's so valuable, because it's a commodity that's in a particularly short supply in our world. I also want to say this. This joy is independent of what is going on in this world or what's going in, on in your or my world. 
because it comes from Jesus. This message that the, that the angel delivers, this is a message of great joy which will be to all people because what? A Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. This joy is in the vertical relationship that we have with God. And if we have some happiness in this world, we have some good times, or boy, that was fun, or I'm going to eat a lot of good food tomorrow, or I wonder what's in my stocking, or what's wrapped up under the tree, or whatever your tradition is, that's well and good. But joy comes a lot deeper, and it comes ultimately from our, our relationship with God. So what I want to do with you with today is just kind of share some very basic ways that we can connect back to our Lord. And in that connection, in that encounter, as we encounter Christ, joy will be the result. And again, it's all related to our, our belief system. It's related to the fact that he loves us, that we believe that, that that's secure. It's related to the hope and the peace that we have through our relationship with him, and that joy expresses itself out, okay? So, first suggestion is this. First way we encounter, you need to do this. You need to hear a whisper of God's goodness. Hear a whisper of God's goodness. Now, you might say, well, angels are showing up, and then later in verse 13, a whole multitude of the heavenly host, angels everywhere, a sky full of angels shows up, saying what we looked at last week, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So that doesn't sound very whispery to me, does it you? However, I think most of you will agree, most times God wants to get a message to us he doesn't overnight an angel into our night sky, okay? That is not his usual way of doing it. This was not a usual announcement, and it was not a usual way of communicating, and it was a rather unusual group of people who heard it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the fact is, most times God just whispers. And the great news is, if you can just get a mere whisper of his goodness, one of the results is joy, that we know that God is good. We know that he is good to his people. We know that God has good intentions for us. And even in the trials of life and the things we struggle with and living in a fallen world with fallen people, with all that being the case, we also understand that God's goodness still flows through this. We talked about it back when we talked about hope with Simeon and Anna, which takes place later in this same chapter. It was a, it was a tough time for the descendants of Abraham. The Jews were oppressed. They hadn't had any word, any teaching prophet for 400 plus years. Rome was oppressive. Their religious system was corrupt. King Herod was on the throne. He called himself the king of the Jews. He was neither Jewish nor really a king, but that's what he called himself. And uh, the real king of the Jews and the king of everyone was about to appear. But it was a tough time. And these people have been waiting. They'd had tough lives. But they had hope beyond that. Because they knew they got a whisper of what God was doing and they got a whisper of his goodness. Now they get a whisper of it right here in the text. And let's just see if we can break this apart a little bit. Then the angel, verse 10 now, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. <laughs> I suspect that part of that being afraid was an unannounced angel showing up. And by the way, if you study the subject of angels, we, had a, we did a series a couple years ago where we looked in depth, we did a deep dive into angels. But every time an angel shows up with a human, it's, it's an overwhelming experience. I mean, you're just dazzled, you know, whatever, kind of knocked off your feet, that sort of thing. Just, it's a wow experience. So maybe the, the, the don't be afraid is because the experience. But I suggest to you there's a secondary reason slid in here. Here's the whisper. Don't be afraid, period. Don't be afraid at all. 
No matter what your life is, no matter what's going on, no matter what it, how it seems, no matter how it's tracking, no matter what you regret of the, regret of the past or what you have anxiety about in the future or you have unsettled feelings about today, do not be afraid. Why? Because I've got some good news and you're about to hear a whisper. They're a little bit louder for them, but a whisper of God's goodness. For behold, I bring you good tidings, good news. I mean, after all, what would be the first thing you would think if an angel showed up? Uh, maybe it's the end of my life. <laughs> maybe it's the end of the world. Maybe it's judgment falling. Maybe it's bad. Good tidings. Get a whisper of the goodness of God. What God wants to do to you, He intends for good. You know, there's a verse over in Romans that we just all run to, right? For all things work together for good. For those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. That doesn't mean everything is good. There's a lot of bad in the world. Someone does something bad, it's bad, okay? It just is. Someone does something bad to you, it's bad. But God can even take the bad and somehow when it, when it merges with the totality of life and the, the expression of who he is, it can have a good result somehow, some way. Was it good that Jesus was nailed on a cross? Well, yes, certainly it paid for our sins. But was it a good thing that, that, that Herod did and Pilate did and the Roman soldiers did and particularly the Jewish authorities did? no. It was an evil act, but God worked it together into something good. So the whisper of his goodness. And then, go on. A, a tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Which shall be to all people. Now, that does not resonate too well with us, but you have to understand the audience that's hearing it. You have to understand the cultural setting in which it is spoken. You have to under, understand the historical moment in which it's announced. Because in, from their perspective... All the goodness of God was directed at one people group and everybody else, sorry, was pretty much left out. That's how they thought. God states it differently even in the Old Testament, but that's how they were thinking it. And if you're a non-Jewish person this morning, but you are a follower of a Jewish man on this earth who we know as Christ the Lord, then in fact we understand that this is for all people and you and I should say, thank you, Lord. This was not selectively exclusive, but this was purposefully inclusive of whoever would believe. And that means little old you and little old me and all of us. Good news, a whisper of God's goodness. A whisper of God's goodness. For unto you is born this day, he's arrived already, in the city of David, fulfilled prophecy. This is trustworthy. You can count on it. What God says in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. What God says in other places in the Bible will be fulfilled just as literally and just as completely as, as everything else. God is not going to let you down. God is faithful. God is going to finish what he starts. And God intends good for you. Find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped verse. Verse 11. This day in the city of David, a Savior... What do we need above all things? Do we need more money? Some of us might say, that's what I really need. Some of us might say, I need, I, I need better health. That's what I really need. We might say, I, I need a better job, or I'd like to have a relationship that, in my life that was meaningful and good, or whatever it is. I'd like to have more opportunities, or I'd like to have more notoriety, or I'd like to... You could add anything to the list. What do you think you need more of? All of the things you can put on the list except one is only temporary. If suddenly we were giving you a gift rather than a subscription to Right Now Media, if I said, we're giving everybody today a million dollars to take home. We're not. This is an illustration. Okay, don't get too excited. 
You might do great things with that. It might be a blessing to you. You might share with other people. But someday when you die, all that $10 million is not going with you or whatever it is. It does not last for eternity, but salvation does. The greatest need is provided in Jesus Christ. He is the Savior, and He is Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and the Lord. You want to know something about the goodness of God? You want to catch a whisper of the goodness of God? Think about the fact that you have a Savior, and He included you in the saving, and the one who is the Savior is qualified because He is the one promised born in the city of David. He is the one who is the descendant of Abraham. He is the one who is the root and the offspring of Jesse. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the one who has been given a name which is above every name. He is the one who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He saved you, or he will if you will trust in him. Get a whisper of the glory of God, of the, of the goodness of God. Now, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if you're really hearing those whispers. Or maybe we're living our lives where it gets a little bit crowded out. I want to encourage you to do something. I said uh, God doesn't always set overnight angels in, but he's given you his word. And you've come on this Christmas Eve morning, and you're sitting there very patiently, very kindly, and you're paying really good attention, I can tell. So thank you, because this is God's word. You want to whisper of God's goodness, you get in this word, you read it for yourself, you get, don't get it secondhand, you get it for yourself, you study it, you learn it, you meditate on it, you keep thinking about it, you keep thinking about it, asking questions about it. Like one of the questions I have in this text is, why did God select shepherds to announce this to? I'm not going to answer that question until later because I want you to practice a little bit of thinking ahead, all right, because you can multitask, I know you can. But why? What's this mean? What's this mean for me? And get a whisper of the goodness of God, and you know what that'll do? Joy will settle into your heart. It takes your mind off all that other stuff and fastens it back on the one who matters. Secondly, let's catch a glimpse of God at work, of God's work. Now, verse 12, which I started to read prematurely. And this will be a sign to you, you'll find, the babe, find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Sometimes we make a big deal of that. We have mangers, and it was rightfully so, and we do it in our nativity scenes and all that sort of thing. You know, the manger, the one in the manger, all that sort of thing. But really, the significance of that was, if you want to find the right kid, look for the one lying in a manger. Okay? We were going to give you a little identifying thing. It might be a little odd, a little strange that you find him lying in a manger, a makeshift crib, if you will. But uh, that's just going to be, you go to, go to the Bethlehem, you search around, and you're, you're kind of snooping around. And by the way, they're shepherds. They knew about livestock. Where are you going to find a manger? They knew where that probably would be in a household or a setting like that. And they find it. That's the baby lying in a manger. That's the one. That's how you find him. You go to get a glimpse of God's work. Now the angel talks to them in verses 13 and 14, but look at 15. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go and see this thing. What did they see when they got there? They saw, I'm assuming, Mary and Joseph, right? They saw a newborn baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Was that God's work? Yes. Did it look like God's work? No, it looked like a baby lying in a manger. I don't think he was glowing. The, the wise men don't show up till much later. There was no little drummer boy, okay? I just want to get that straight. It was just a baby and mom and dad there but they saw that they saw that much 
just a little glimpse, and I want you to see what happens to them. It says, They came in haste, and verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which is told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. They're coming back and they're blabbing this to everybody. They're wanting this to go viral. They're, they're out there just telling everybody because they just got the barest glimpse that God indeed is at work. You want to have joy in your life? Go on a pursuit to catch a little glimpse of God being at work in your life. And when you come to the conclusion, that, that, that right there, that's God at work in my heart. And sometimes it's God convicting me that, oh, this has got to change. Or sometimes it's like, God provided that for me. Or God did that for me. Or God, you gave me the strength to endure to this point in life. No matter its hardships. Whatever it is, that brings us to this point of being able to identify, catch a glimpse of God at work. I want to give you the formula to be able to do that, right? I want you to start asking this question daily. When stuff happens, when things happen, when, when, when it's going on, when something happens, ask yourself this question. After it's over, just take a moment and say, was that an accident or an appointment? Was that an accident or an appointment? Was that just chance or was that an appointment? And when you start asking that question, sometimes you'll be able to see, you know what, only you could have arranged that, God. I bumped into that person. That thing happened. That, that blessing came. That challenge came. You helped me say no to that temptation. You gave me the information that I needed at a certain point. That was an appointment by you. I've just caught a glimpse that you would be working in my life. And when you get that, when you get that little glimpse of that, just that glimmer, that little bit, that little part, you're going to see that God indeed is real and at work and he has provided you a savior and he's going to take you through and this is his work and it's going to result in that delight, that joy that's going to flow out. It will put a smile on your face. It will put a song in your heart. It will tend to erase the grumpiness and the gloominess and, the, and all the other things that just sometimes we struggle with in our own hearts. Catch a glimpse of his work. Was that an accident? Or as an appointment, I'll give you a clue. What God's bringing to bear in your life is not an accident. And sometimes we, we use that like, boy, that was really weird. That was strange. Didn't expect that to happen. I don't know where that came from. Accident or appointment? And when you see that God has already prearranged these things, I'll tell you what, sometimes, you probably don't know this, but sometimes when I'm sitting here, It'll cross the screen in my mind. I think the screen in my mind's back here. I don't know where it is, but it crosses my mind somewhere, and I'm like, what are you doing here, me? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Why, why, am I, why did you all show up this morning? You know, How did God pull this off? How did you get to be part of this church? Where did, where did these people come from? And maybe you, did, maybe you wandered in the first time. We're glad to have you. Glad to have you. Make yourself at home, all right? Uh, you say, well, I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm kind of battered to beat it. Let me just say it this way, another Christmas reference. Welcome to the island of misfit toys, okay? That's us. But you know what? We can catch a glimpse of God at work in this place, in our lives, in our hearts. And when you do, joy is the result. Number three, know that he welcomes you. I talked a little bit about this a moment ago. What am I doing here? What, well, what, what are we doing knowing God? What are we doing knowing that we can be saved, that we can have our sins forgiven, that God would, in the person of the Spirit, would come and indwell us. That'll blow your circuit breakers in your mind. 
that God's in us. That's what the Bible teaches. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Because all things, all things have become new. Now, shepherds, remember I told you earlier, you'd be thinking about this. Why shepherds? One of the reasons, this is sort of a minor secondary reason, was they were sort of the outcasts. They were the, the low manual workers, unskilled, well, they had some skill, but they were just, they hung around with sheep. They were pretty much unclean. They were just sort of like, you know, they would have, they would have made it on that dirty job show back in the day, all right? They would have. It just sort of, that's those guys. And I think God's saying, you don't have to be some sort of high level, you know, super spiritual, everything working right in your life to have an introduction to the Savior. That's part of it. But also, God never wastes any moments, always appointments, not accidents. And what he's saying is, I welcome you to say something on behalf of me. And yes, they went, as I just read a moment ago, and they're telling everybody about this story and it's spreading around. But they were shepherds. They took care of sheep. Speaking of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before, wrote these words in Isaiah 53, 7. Speaking of the coming Messiah, speaking, he says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. The one they should have been looking for, but somehow they, many people missed, even when Jesus began his public ministry. The one they should have been looking for was a lamb, a sheep. And now they were keeping sheep somewhere in the vicinity of Bethlehem. If you stand on the outskirts of, of Jerusalem, we had this experience a few years ago, and you kind of look south from the southern, part, southern edge of Jerusalem and sort of that high country. You look south, you can see Bethlehem. It's not that far away. It, it, it's just that little village way down there. And in between Jerusalem and Bethlehem on these sort of terraced hills is where sheep were pastured and where they were tended. And uh, they need shepherds to look after them. And the speculation is, I don't know if you could prove this, but some of those sheep that probably were being raised cared for on the terraced hills just south of Jerusalem were going to wind up in the temple sacrificial system there in Jerusalem. Maybe not all, maybe some, we don't know. But the shepherds understood why sheep were important, not just to the agricultural system of the day, but to the religious spiritual system of the day. Flash forward, if you will, 30 years or 30 years or so after the events of Luke chapter 2, where we find these words in John 1.29. John the Baptist speaks them. The next day John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, quote, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. If you want people to start thinking about a Lamb of God, how about we call a few shepherds in to be the first witnesses to verify this is true? Let's, 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 let's bring shepherds to be there. For the great Lamb of God to arrive. Now, it takes us a few a couple of verses and a little mental effort to put that together, but it's nonetheless there. The people no one would expect. You remember when the wise men show up later, this is probably a couple years later, actually, when the wise men showed up. It might mess up your nativity scene, I'm sorry. But that's what the biblical data teaches us. Where did they go looking for the king of the Jews? They go to Herod, the king, quote unquote, king of the Jews. Where is he has been born, king of the Jews? Herod goes on a 
you know, a tantrum, and you know the rest of the story, like trying to figure this thing out, but they went to the king. God saying, you know who I invited to the party? Who I who invited to the, the newborn's first arrival? I'm going to overnight an angel in to make sure they get there. Shepherds. And part of when they are saying here in Luke 2, it says, they came with haste. They saw Mary and Joseph, the babe lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying that was told them concerning the child. They just go wild with enthusiasm, I would say, joy. Because they were included in God's work. If you're one of his children this morning, don't ever miss the wonder. Don't ever miss the significance. Don't ever miss the sometimes almost hilarity that God would want us. But he does. He says, in, the angel says in, in the verse 10, great joy which shall be to all, for all people. On this day, if I could quote from a movie line, on this day before the night, before the dawn, before the day of Christmas. Let's remember that he wants you and has accepted you as his own if you're one of his children. And if you're not one of his children, he will welcome you into his family at this very moment. If you will confess that you're a sinner, that's what our problem is. If we're not sinners, we don't need a savior that's announced here in this passage. If we're not in need of a savior, he wouldn't have sent one. But you need a Savior. We all need a Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. He died to pay sin's price on the cross as the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb of God. And in so dying, if you will simply believe that and accept that true for yourself, you can be one of His children. And you can experience the love of God. You can be shocked by the hope of God. You can be filled with the peace of God. And you can exclaim in the joy of Christ that a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. If we could help you take that step of faith or try to explain to you from the scriptures what that means, we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. You can see me after service, one of our pastors. Maybe you came with a Christian friend or family member this morning and you could just say, I, I know, you, you're, you, know you, you know this Jesus stuff, you understand this salvation stuff. Help me understand what that means. We've shared with you uh, regularly this month, and you've done a great job with outreach with it. But there's a little card back there on that center table, a little business card. If you've not received one of those, pick that up. But if you'll scan the QR code, there's a six-minute video that'll explain even in more depth what it means to become a follower of Christ. We'd encourage you to take that step. You can also find it on our website as well. We encourage you to take that step. I hope, and Julie and I wish for you, a blessed and safe and joyous Christmas, whatever, whatever's involved in your own world and life. But don't miss the greatest gift that God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If we connect with that through catching a little whisper of His goodness, catching a glimpse of His work, and knowing that indeed that we are welcomed in, joy will be there. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. 
Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you, and the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.